Burning up the atmosphere and cutting down the trees The billion dollar bombing of a nation on his knees Anyone not marching to their tune, they call it treason Everyone says God is on his side See the lightning, hear the cries Of the wounded in a world in holy war Mortal thunder from the skies Killing everything they say they're fighting for And welcome to the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. It is the week of April 21st, 2020. The pandemic goes on, and I'm going to talk about that a lot today, and everybody is getting a little weary of hearing about it, but I want to talk to some local folks today about it. Uh, This week I did talk to Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns about what the county's doing and uh, during the virus shutdowns, and also talked to Jim Oswald, owner of Palmetto Smokehouse and Oyster Bar, about the impact all this is having on restaurants, especially his and his event center up in Pendleton. I'm going to be talking to a lot of people here in the weeks ahead, but uh, I want to talk to folks to see how they're dealing with this. In years gone by, this time of year was filled with spring festivals and events and fundraisers for our local charities, nonprofits. But obviously, with the new challenges of this season due to the continuing spread of this pandemic, that's not happening, which means you need to step up and do something if you can. Uh, If you can give some food to uh, one of our many good charities, AIM, but the best thing you can do is to donate financially. And the reason for that is, for these groups that buy food can buy food at a much greater discount than you can buy food for them. So if you're going to spend $20 on groceries to take to them, just give them 20 and they can buy $40 worth of food for that. They continue to have a record demand. They continue to try to meet the need of the those who are really needing food right now. You've seen the stories about some of the food banks in the area. The demand has gone up as much as 10 times. And so the other agencies as well need help. Salvation Army is doing a tremendous work out there in very challenging times. They need your help. Uh, Meals on Wheels needs your help. Uh, Clean Start. Uh, I'm not going to try to name them all here, but uh, these are all agencies that really do a lot for our friends and neighbors that are in need. And this need is continuing as people uh, are out of work in record numbers and some are still waiting on unemployment. Some have found out they're not eligible for unemployment. And the national unemployment uh, promise of funds for those who are self-employed has still not uh, even come to a place where people can register for it. So try to help out if you can. Um, In other news, uh, people are still being asked to stay at home um, while the essential workers are often over in overcrowded places where the virus is spread. But there are a few other things going on. Uh, Sunday, you probably saw the story. There was a fire at Marketplace Shopping Center, which destroyed the branch of the U.S. Postal Service that was there. It gutted the post office and did significant damage to the uh, salon and the family dollar store and some serious smoke damage to stores beyond that. Uh, $3 million is the last figure I heard, but it may be going up from there. The story is still developing, but while it's good news that no one's injured, it's bad news that the post office and other businesses in that shopping center are damaged. It'll be interesting to see what the next move is. I talked to the Postal Service Regional Office in Atlanta, and they said all the business from that post office has obviously moved to the main post office, and they'll try to accommodate people, post office boxes, until they can get it. And they're, they're, so they're committed to reopening the, a branch on the north side. We'll see where that ends up. Uh, it's been another interesting week in Anderson, everybody. Governor McMaster spoke yesterday, easing restrictions even further. Opening public boat ramps was um, done a week ago, and this past week, 
uh, Monday he opened Beaches and other retail stores. Um, there's a long list of them, including things like jewelry stores, which I have nothing against, but they don't seem terribly essential. He's trying to open as many businesses as he can. He did not open restaurants, gyms, salons, some of the personal services things, but um, restaurants are not too far off. Georgia apparently is opening their restaurants next Monday, and South Carolina I don't think will be very far behind. I've talked to a number of sources that suggest by the end of the next, next week there will be some limited availability in restaurants in Anderson. We'll see how that works. The government said the governor says he's easing restrictions because South Carolinians are following guidelines and social distancing. I, I don't think he's been outside lately to witness what's actually happening. Not that it'll make that much difference, I guess, some of the things he's opening, but the so-called essential stores that are already open are packed to overflowing, and this includes Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, if you've seen some of the parking lots and the crowds in those stores. Look, I understand builders and contractors and others that do that kind of work need those stores open, but they're not, they're not there to be open for folks who just want to do a little spring planning and bring in often whole families. Uh, maybe there should be restricted hours for non-essential workers who need that stuff. But the big crowds at these stores are full of people who are ignoring, to the large part, the recommendations to wear masks in public and to maintain the six-foot social distancing. And I'm just tired of arguing with people who don't take the virus seriously because they're the ones who are going to continue spreading and keep our numbers up. And let's just, the most recent data, which is from the afternoon of April 20th from DHEC, says that there have been 41,000 tests performed in South Carolina, which is less than 10% of the population. And there have been 4,439 positive cases in the state. And to, as of yesterday, the numbers continue to change. Obviously, there were 124 deaths. Uh, Anderson County is... is um, Right now, at, uh, we have 134 positive cases, and we've had five deaths in the county. So it's still something to watch. The, the, the great thing is the unknown, and but those are the recent things. That means that the positive rate in South Carolina is about 10.9% of the people who are tested have the disease and the virus, and um, the death rate is at 2.8%. So it's still a pretty high number. And while most of them still are the elderly and those with other conditions. There are some that I have previously had no conditions. And I know I've talked to some people personally who have gone through this that were young and healthy uh, in their early 30s that um, said it was one of the worst sicknesses they'd ever gone through. But I don't, I don't know that these numbers suggest opening the beaches and other retail stores is such a good idea. Uh, I understand that people who are already ignoring caution are going to continue to act as if they're on holiday. Maybe getting people back to work, they're thinking we'll get them away from packing all these stores, but that just packs them into an office where there'll be, you know, Petri dishes there. Does this mean that we have to give in to those with no impulse control who are acting like toddlers wanting to be put down in heavy traffic? And I think people need to save their dangerous conspiracy theories, their quotes from people who say the virus is not dangerous, um, because these things just don't hold water. There's no facts to back that up. It's less dangerous than the flu, some people say. Well, that's not true. It's um, more than 10 times as deadly as any flu, and the flu includes a, a number of strains and it stretches out over a year. This has been compressed into a very short period of time, and I think it will continue, as most experts say, until there's some sort of vaccine, we're still going to have that, and we may have a flare-up again. I also get really uh, tired of hearing people say it's a civil rights issue. It's not, at least in the sense of what we've seen in the past, from women's suffrage and the right to vote, to the civil rights marches of the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and, and, and later, where they were looking for equality for all Americans, regardless of race. Those things had an end game that aimed at extinguishing lynchings, racial discrimination, employment, housing, and voting. 
I was there the later years for some of those marches, and I can tell you they were focused and somber and for a greater good, not for we want to get out and, and go to dinner or we want to go shopping. It was for a greater good and breaking the history of violence and discrimination. They were not protesting short-term inconveniences is what we're hearing now. And it's easy to see that the current and mostly voluntary restrictions in South Carolina, which is really what they are because it says don't go out and don't do this, but nobody's really enforcing them. They're temporary, and I can't help but wonder how the protests that some states are, are getting would, would go down if there were heavily armed young African-American men standing on those courthouse steps making veiled threats. I think there would be a gunfire. I think there'd be gunfights, and I think they'd all be, it'd be a mess. So we need to back off this idea that people are saying my rights are being violated. And during the great, uh, the great flu, Spanish flu in 1918, uh, nobody was out protesting their rights being violated when people started dying in mass numbers. And that's not to say many local businesses have not been wounded, some very deeply, mine included. And I'm not making light of that. I know it's difficult. I promise it hurts. And I know restaurants, beauty salons, some small manufacturers, hotels, photographers, realtors, insurance providers, and others have been hit really hard by these shutdowns. And it's very serious. But the quicker we can get um, people to maintain distances in states that have done it, they have watched numbers drop dramatically in very large population bases, much bigger than ours. And we need to take it seriously. If we had taken action in early March, like some of the other states did, we would already be on the other side of this, but we didn't. And now less than 10% of the state's population has still been tested. And it's an established fact that many virus carriers have no symptoms at all. So we just don't know what the situation is. That, that worst story was that recent funeral in Sumter, South Carolina, where so far six elderly people have died after contracting the virus at a loved one's funeral service. But South Carolina's governor continues to rush to spread the virus, apparently. Uh, keep in mind, his permission is not medical get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not based on any scientific decisions or, or medical evaluations. He even said that one based on data. He said it was based on him seeing people practicing uh, social distancing and, and, and doing the thing, wearing masks and stuff. That's what his, his decision was based on. I, like, again, I don't see where he saw that. But if you're not going to do anything, at least do wear a mask if you go out and wash your hands. If you can please do that for the most vulnerable populations of your community, or if you, God forbid, are going on a vacation with this, uh, please at least take some some action to be responsible as a citizen. I don't usually get this preachy in the podcast, but this one's kind of drifted into that territory because it, it really has reached the point where is, is there's a division between people who don't take it seriously or who believe that it's worth... You've seen the National. I'm not going to quote the people's names and even give them any more publicity, but people who've said it's worth a few people dying to get our business back on on track. But we've, we've moved this confusing definition of essential businesses into things that uh, make no sense at all. Um, so really, the, the don't go out unless you want to is what the rule we have here in South Carolina. And um, just go ahead and go on vacation, go out and shop, do whatever you want, put retail workers at, at risk, do whatever you want to do. And for some reason, the only rented mules in these decisions are the, the people in restaurants, many of whom are struggling to survive at this point. Uh, it's bizarre that the governor sees shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder crowds in hardware stores as essential. And there's no way these places are limiting the numbers of shoppers. Most restaurants actually are set up to uh, 
really um, easily limit customers coming in the door, making things less dangerous, keeping them far apart and, 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 and only doing maybe 50% capacity. Uh, things that don't make sense. From the very beginning, it made no sense that liquor stores and gun shops are essential, but restaurants are not. That, I know we're all tired of quarantines and many of us are burning through savings and cash reserves and nobody seems to have any great answers and that's why there seems to be such an urgency. We've got to do something, we've got to do something, we've got to do something. But that's never a good basis on which to make a decision that's going to have lasting impact. And that's where the fear and the frustration are fueled. We want answers and quick solutions, but in this case there's just not any, any quick, quick solutions or answers. Which is why we need to move more cautiously and make the current path towards wisdom and safety and not towards getting businesses back open at any cost. Uh, I know um, Georgia's doing that. Georgia's reopening things. They're, they'll have everything open just about except for schools. By the end of this week, even restaurants are opening Monday over there, even though they're one of the hottest spots in the nation. So, And they're going to be driving back and forth to South Carolina to shop. So we're going to see how that plays out for us. Current projections show a continued steady climb in cases in South Carolina. This is based on DHEC stats, which now ranks eighth nationally in cases per 100,000 citizens. And right now the projection is 8,677 by the week ending May 2nd which is the double the number of current cases. So we'll see how that plans out. Again, projections can change, and I hope, they, I hope they're wrong. A more, more coherent and prudent approach is needed in South Carolina to return to sort of pre-virus business-as-usual levels, and a strategic plan based on public safety data and best medical scientific information is crucial, not based on hunches. And until then, we, we need to take this virus seriously and keep our friends and families and neighbors safe. All this said, it's not a question that shutdowns have... Uh, taking their toll on local businesses, as I said. Restaurants, shops, self-employed, owners of small businesses have been clobbered by this. And places that normally offer no-to-go food or limited are now only open for this and are barely able to make their food costs, trying to keep some of their staff employed uh, with curbside and delivery. You can visit the Anderson Observer, news from people you trust, where there is a food-to-go and a uh, list of that I've did, put up for free to any restaurant that wants to get the information out about their, their, where they, what they serve and what they have to go and their, their contact information. You can find it there, their list there. One of those restaurants on that list is Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, which has been a sponsor of the Anderson Observer podcast for several years. Bill Nickus bought Sullivan's to downtown Anderson when virtually no businesses wanted to move to downtown Anderson in 1999. Uh, he really kicked off the renaissance of downtown. There was Downtown, if you remember then, was, was a ghost town, basically for retail and for, for um, there's very few businesses downtown. But since then, Sullivan's has been named one of the top 100 restaurants in America, one of only two in this state to ever get that, that attention. And he's been featured in numerous culinary magazines, Southern Living, on the cover of the Wall Street Journal, and, and, and other places too. And people drive from Atlanta and Charlotte and all over to eat at Sullivan's, and with good reason. It's the best fine dining experience anywhere. Lunch and dinner are available as carryout and curbside delivery, and specials are posted on Facebook every day so you can check them out. And when the virus lockdown is over, try Sullivan's Catering. That's Sullivan's Food with White Tablecloth Catering for virtually the same cost as those um, tenfold disposable pan caterers. You can visit Sullivan's on Facebook for more information about that as well. And tell Bill that uh, you appreciate him, what he's done to keep in the community and also to try to keep his place open and keep his people paid in, in the light of all the challenges. Another person who's trying to do that as well is restaurant owner Jim Oswald, who I talked to this week about the challenges of being the owner of a local restaurant in these strange days. Let's talk about your business first, then we'll talk about your wife. So when did it, I guess when it all started, beginning of March, it all hit everybody, right? Yeah, pretty much. It, it was all, you know, it was, it was almost overnight. Yeah. 
and you'd already bought your food planning for the weeks ahead and all that so you had cash already outlaid on stuff you weren't expecting to get socked with i guess yeah actually it wasn't even cash outlaid it was uh it was it was uh you know we buy things on terms right right so now we've now we owe the money and and uh we're concerned about having the revenue coming in and uh then uh now, my wife, uh, it, it's really both the businesses belong to both of us, but okay. uh, my wife runs the catering side, and I run the restaurant side. And this is so prime catering really, season, isn't it? Well, it is, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we do a lot of office uh, daytime, lunchtime caterings, and um, mm. that, uh, that dried up immediately because the offices are all closed down or, or the, uh, you know, the, the, there's no more team meetings and, lunch uh lunch meetings and things like that going on that's that's what really hurt us the most people aren't thinking about things like that i mean even like the the not only festivals but events and weddings and all the other stuff going on this time of year usually is a is a big uh economic uh a player in this area this time of year yeah we lost a lot of that at our event center out in pendleton um and uh you know the the catering and the event center kind of go together um, in some things, but then the event center is rented out to people that don't do catering and, and we cater to people that don't rent the event center. And then we, we, you know, we do caterings at the event center for other events as well. So it was, uh, you know, both of those revenue streams got ripped right out from under us. Well, just, just before going any further, remind people, you know, who y'all are and what y'all do out there just in normal good times, Jim. So, um, uh, my wife and I own a uh, restaurant in Clemson called Palmetto's Smokehouse and Oyster Bar. And uh, we opened one in Anderson uh, a few years back and uh, wound up having to close it. It uh, didn't work out real well. But then uh, we opened up a, uh, 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 an event center out in uh, north of Pendleton on Cherry Street Extension that is um, uh, good for um, uh, about 300 people uh, in your um, – Hang on just a second. Sure. I'm sorry. I'm having trouble with my microphone here. Sorry. The, uh, uh, anyway, the, uh, the event center uh, is, is a place for you to have a party with, uh, you know, 300 of your favorite friends. Uh, we have a lot of uh, quinceanera parties out there. We have uh, weddings. We have, um, we have uh, business meetings and training sessions and things like that. Uh, and it's, uh, uh, you know, every, every weekend there's something going on out there. And then sometimes during the week, there's something going on. And so, uh, it's a, it's a great place to have a big party and uh, lots of good parking and it's out in the middle of the country. So, uh, it's, uh, it's not congested area. Um, but, uh, everything that, uh, we had booked for the next, uh, three or four months is, is either getting canceled or getting moved. And of course, move. First, before you go any further, that is a great site out there. I've been out there a few times. It's a really nice place you got out there. But well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, everything. We, that's uh, just it. The the moving stuff is going to get to the point where the movings just become cancellations, right? Well, the moving it could become cancellations, but but really, what the moving does is it's a double whammy to us. Number one is we don't get the revenue um, for the the current. Or that we we have deposits that that would have to otherwise be returned, right? Um, and uh, so obviously we're trying to move everything we can, but the double whammy comes from the fact that once we move it, we also that's a that's going to be a, a key date in the fall maybe that we would also sell it to somebody else. So 
any way you look at it, we're out the money for the for one event, whether it's a current event or one that that we can't sell in the future because of a moved event. So so it's a it's a pretty devastating uh, situation. But worst case scenario would be for us to have to uh, refund deposits without the opportunity to move it, and then wind up. Uh, having to uh, uh, sell to somebody else in the fall that may or may not happen depending upon how long this, this uh, quarantine goes. And, and are y'all doing to-go food right now? Yeah, at the, and down at our restaurant in, in downtown Clemson. I thought you uh, were, yeah. Uh, yeah, we are. We're definitely doing that. We do, uh, right now we're doing lunch uh, from, uh, from 11 to 2 and dinner from 5 to 8 Monday through Thursday. And then on Friday and Saturday, we're, we're going from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. And uh, you can go to our website uh, and, um, and see our menu and call the order into us, or you can also go through DoorDash and, and uh, some of the others um, if you're in our uh, area, uh, service area. But uh, if you're coming down to Clemson, uh, it's nice and quiet in downtown Clemson. There's uh, virtually no traffic uh, where we are. <laughs> Uh, across the street from the university, and uh, you can call us and uh, drive right up to the front door and uh, honk the horn, and we'll bring the food out to you. So well, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm trying to talk to some folks to let people know we need to keep our local folks. As, I mean, this is just barely paying your food cost, I'm sure, but if every little bit right now is a big deal to everybody that uh, is trying to keep their doors open during this this mess. I, it's above my pay grade and know what to do, and they don't they didn't ask me anyway, so. Well, we're finding uh, awfully creative ways of, uh, you know, moving forward. And, and uh, you know, one of them is we're on a revenue sharing basis with the employees that are, that are, are volunteering to work right now. And so we're, uh, um, you know, any, any tips and any, any kind of uh, profits that we might make um, are able to be, uh, uh, they're actually distributed equally between all the employees that are, that are, that are um, uh, volunteering to come in and work. So um, that's that's been a, a big big help is having a good team of people that are willing to you know willing to volunteer like that and uh, you know so it's it's a creative time we were looking forward to getting back to regular business but uh, we're going to do what it takes to stay alive for now and uh, uh, we'll figure out how to deal with the rest of it in the future. Do you think there's anything that, in spite of this bad situation, that going forward we may have learned that'll help us in the future? Oh, I definitely think so. Uh, number one, I think uh, from a uh, you know from a the standpoint of of being able to um, navigate our way through the business side of this thing with uh, applying for these these uh, um, payroll protection plan loans and the idle or the EIDL uh, economic uh, injury um, loans. You know, there's I, I think that our infrastructure for doing things like this will be infinitely better when we're done with this because they're having to to create uh, systems that allow, you know, millions of, of businesses and individuals to crash onto a website at one time without crashing the website. And uh, so, uh, and it, it, it has not been uh, without its problems, that's for sure, and, and it's still pretty frustrating. Um, I hope we learn how to... Uh, to choose our leaders a little bit better out of this. And then from a, from a business standpoint, uh, I think, uh, this, this helps us, uh, galvanize our, the people that are, that are committed to the business. Um, and if nothing else, it has really 
galvanized us with our customers. Our customers have been overwhelmingly um, generous in their tipping. Um, they've been very supportive. Um, even competitors have been supportive of, of each other. And uh, I think that's a that's a, a really spectacular thing to see the uh, the cohesiveness that, that, that we all understand what, what we're doing. And, and there's no more, you know, nitpicking each other. There's no more trying to outmarket the other guy. Right now, we're just happy to get our port, our part, and happy that they get their part. And uh, I think there's been uh, a lot of uh, social um, uh, benefits to this thing when it comes down to our uh, our way of life with our free market economy. I think uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna really appreciate our employees and our and our uh, customers uh, much better than, than we ever already did. And then, of course, there's the all the people that are fighting, you know, in the trenches for this thing with the right. the um, the responders and and uh, first responders and the the, the rescue people and uh, that are going uh, that are handling uh, the Seneca situation with the tornado. Just um, you know, I don't know how many how many you know pieces of bad news you can get hit with in a two month period of time, but um, it's just amazing how resilient we've already been. And I know everybody's ready to get out of their houses, but uh, uh, the resiliency that we've had, you know, just being still being sequestered and not knowing when it's going to be uh, over with um, gives me belief that when we come out of this thing, um, we're going to be better and stronger and faster than we ever were. And, uh, and I think, too, the, the shining that bright light on our, how important our small businesses and how they have, like you said, pulled together and worked for the community has been a really good thing that I'd like to see some you know, future on that. And also, just like you're saying about the, the, the sort of infrastructure to su really support small businesses, because um, people talk about small businesses and being the backbone of the country, but when, the further you work your way up toward the federal government, they don't really seem to believe that when this comes down to help us. So, um, yeah. Well, you know, if you if you've ever if you've ever cleaned a fish, and you get down to the bones, and you'll see the fish got some big bones, and it's got thousands and thousands of little bitty bones, and those little bitty bones are every bit as important as the big bones. And that's what a lot of people don't quite understand is that the little bitty businesses are 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 really you, you can't call them the backbone because we're not big enough to be a backbone, but we're one of the bones that can, that, that keeps that fish together. And uh, you know, I think that. Uh, it's important that that uh, that people realize the 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 strength of small businesses. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy, as long as I've got a, a platform here, if you don't mind. Sure. One of the things that drives me crazy is to see the people out on Highway 123 in Clemson backing up traffic all the way, you know, halfway down 123 because they want to get into Chick Fil A and and uh, and to um, uh, and to to Zaxby's. And I love Zaxby's and I love Chick Fil A. But, you know, they're, while they're back, while they're sitting in line 20, 30 cars deep, uh, blocking traffic on 123, in, in a fraction of the amount of time they're going to sit there and wait, they could go make three left-hand turns and, and a right-hand turn. They could be downtown Clemson where there's three locally owned businesses that are owned by uh, mom and pop. And I'm, I, I would be pop in this case. Terry would be mom. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we need that business too. And, you know, we're not fast food. We're pretty doggone good food. Right. And so, um, uh, and, and our prices are, are comparable. You know, you can get a, a, a $20, uh, you know, a plate of oysters from us, but you can also get a $5 barbecue sandwich from us. 
See, that's and, what I've been uh, trying to impress upon people, Jim, is they, they line up for this fast food and they can get freshly prepared local food and they don't they they have this misconception they're saving money going through these drive throughs and I, I just I don't I, you may save three dollars or something, but you're really not getting the same quality and you're also not supporting the community. That's driving me crazy too. I agree with you. Well it, exactly and what's the and what is the value of their time? I mean, if you're gonna sit in line for thirty minutes right. when you could make a, a phone call and and drive three minutes out of your way um, and uh, and be done in fifteen, then the, you know the time the time value of your money is uh, or the, the the value of your time is uh, is eaten up while you're sitting in that line. I agree, and it's just, it's absolutely um, you know maddening and and good for those guys. I'm so glad that uh, Chick Fil A is back open and and you know I was at Zaxby's myself the other day, but <laughs> but at the same time. Uh, there, and it's not just our business. It's a, it's a lot of the small local businesses yeah. uh, need that drive-through business as well. And during normal times, we don't do drive-through, right. you know. But right now, we've been given a little bit of a pass on on uh, letting people come up in front of our business and stopping to get their to-go food right, right on right on Highway 93. Right. And that's a, a spectacular thing for us right now. And uh, I don't really want to see a line, line, line of cars. I'd like to be able to deliver one car at a time pretty quickly. But uh, boy, to see to see twenty and thirty cars out there just wasting time and money and gas and and not getting the quality and and not supporting the small local businesses and uh, with all due respect to the franchise owners, um, we are much smaller businesses right. and uh, we we really need that business. So and Greg, thank you so much for yep. what you do uh, I, I in uh, in promoting this. It's uh it, it's it's overwhelming. That this is one of the overwhelming support things that I was talking about. Well, I'm going to continue championing what you just said, too. I'm going to remind people of that more, and I appreciate it. I know you got a meeting, but uh, I'll keep reminding people you're there and that all our small folks are there, and I appreciate it, Jim. I'll talk to you soon. And Jim's a really good guy, and he's owner, again, of Palmetto Smokehouse and Oyster Bar, and they've got curbside service right there in Clemson, and um, they do have that event center in Pendleton that's going to, when this is all over, you need to book out there. It's a really nice place. I've been out there before. Really nice place. So I appreciate Jim taking time to talk to us and hope that this is over in a good way, in an appropriate way, that everybody can be safe and that he can get his restaurant and catering service back to where he wants it and where people can enjoy his food and, and come in and, and really enjoy the, the dining experience there too. Uh, I also uh, encourage you to support, support any of the other local restaurants around during these challenging times. Jim mentioned it. Most of the chains have corporate money to help them survive and that's great. I'm glad their employees have some money to be taken care of and the comp those companies can survive, but most of the local owners don't. So you've read the stories about the loan money running out quickly and going to the big giant uh, corporate chains that probably didn't need it. And um, you didn't read the stories about local folks getting the money they needed to keep their people employed and keep them on staff because it's hard to keep a good staff, a quality staff, and that's one of the things that makes such a good restaurant when there's just no no business and no way to pay them. So think twice when you're ordering lunch or dinner to go and get great local food curbside. I promise you it won't cost you much more and you'll really enjoy the food better. Meanwhile, Anderson County is still operating with a reduced staff and a lot of people working at home. And the storms in Pickens last week added to the work needing to be done, especially in relation to helping our neighboring counties when they're having trouble, like the Seneca being hit by the tornadoes. Anderson County is, emergency services has always been on the front lines of, of helping other counties, and we count on them to help us when we need it, and we were there for them. And I talked to Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns about this and other things that are going on in the county. 
All right, let's start first with, uh, it's been a busy week in addition to the virus stuff. What, what has Anderson County been doing in the wake of the storm and help here and our surrounding counties and that kind of stuff? Well, starting early Monday morning, uh, we had all of our crews out cutting down trees. We had about 125 trees down blocking roads all over the county. So we did that, and then we worked on some drainage issues and just generally spent all day Monday getting over the storm. And so we, I think we had everything in pretty good shape around 5 o'clock that afternoon, thanks to those uh, dedicated workers. And, I mean, they were, they were out there early, and they stayed until they got it done. So we did that. Then uh, we uh, received some requests for some assistance from Seneca, in Oconee County, so we sent some appraisers up there because in order to assess the damage, those are the people that are trained to do it. So we helped uh, Oconee County with that. We have uh, sent some of our building officials up there to assist them with that because, I mean, Seneca is pretty much devastated, so we've done that. We've also uh, helped them with our emergency management people and we went up there and set up some shelters and things like that for those people. So we've been very helpful to them. Uh, Tommy Dunn, chairman of our county council, called the chairman of the Oconee County Council and told him that we were available to help. Because every time we have an emergency, they always respond and help us. So we're just repaying the favor and happy to do it. So we've done that. And then we have been, then we've been carrying on. <clears throat> county keeping the county open taking care of everything like we usually do so it's been a week of disasters and a week of the virus and a week of other things but we're still maintaining uh, i think all of our citizens are still pleased with the services they're receiving from the county we are pretty much in constant motion but everybody's good everybody's passionate about what they're doing so we're just looking for better days ahead. Well, what what else is going on with the virus? I guess the the boat ramps are opening back up. So, the governor opened the boat ramps today at right. twelve o'clock. And I will tell you this: <clears throat> a couple just moved here from New York State, and they were literally at the gate. They had just moved here. The husband had been down here six months, and the wife had only been here a month. But as soon as that gate opened at Green Pond. They were they were there waiting on it, and they went and put their boat in the water, and they were off to have a good time. They were both big fishermen, and then right after that, another boat came down there. So I would imagine that the uh, lake will be packed tomorrow if it's a pretty day. And uh, I talked with our law enforcement people, and they're going to be out in force on Lake Hartwell tomorrow. So hopefully they'll be out there and able to keep everybody safe out there. So. We've been doing that, plus we're just cleaning up a lot of other projects that we have and and pretty much just trying to maintain operations and help where we can. We're working with Meals on Wheels, hopefully for something next week, to help Meals on Wheels uh, distribute food all over the county. And so we'll be happy to help Meals on Wheels do that. We have also been assisting the Salvation Army with some things they've done because they've really borne the whole brunt of this in a in a very difficult situation so we've been reaching out to help them and really uh working with the united way just about any organization that we can help we've either lent lent a hand or assistance or, or helping them find money out of the stimulus bill or foundations or anything like that so 
all of that is going on. So what about the convenience then, centers? They seem to be pretty slammed. I will tell you about the convenience centers. Our biggest biggest day of the year is always the day after Christmas. Right. Whenever you know, whenever that opens up, and then we'll get the next day will be the day after that. But ever since the quarantine took effect, every day has been Christmas at all of our sites. We are seeing amounts of trash that you have never seen before in your life. We're seeing the amount of limbs, construction debris that you've never seen in your life. And our people have been working, <clears throat> keeping the uh, landfill open a little extra longer, taking care of that. And one of the things that we've always had in the past is we've had the help of inmates. And because of the coronavirus and the lockdown of the jail, we haven't had any assistance from that. So our people are really stretched out, but they're doing a really great job. And as you know right now, because of the virus, we can't sort glass. So right. we're not taking glass at the convenience centers. And we can't take, <clears throat> excuse me, aluminum cans because we don't want our people touching that stuff and spreading the coronavirus around. So for right now, until this is over, we're not taking those items. But we are taking cardboard and plastic bottles and steel cans we can take those so we're working on that and uh it's just been it's just been <clears throat> hectic and i hate to keep saying that but it's just been very hectic but but there's a lot of things you can't do because of the crowding right i mean like a lot of road work and stuff has to be kind of put on pause until no i mean actually actually uh there was a big fire in pelzer right two nights ago and uh we were over there the next morning condemning the house, and we're in the process of helping them move that house because it's in a pretty tricky situation. But we have to go through the asbestos protocols on that, so we're doing that. Uh, we had people working in Honeypath yesterday on projects to help the town of Honeypath. So, like I said, we've been everywhere doing everything that we can to help everybody. Well, this, this is out of the blue because I didn't prep you on any of this, but do you know all the roads that were damaged in that big flooding we had earlier, are they all back open now? Do we ever get everything back open? Well, we've got a couple of bridges still out. Right, right. We've got a couple of bridges still out, and that's still going to be a while to do that. But I can tell you that everything has slowed down. I mean, getting supplies at our shop, okay? Getting parts, that's slowed down. So that's that's slowing down in a... Some of the vehicles that we had ordered and already paid for, that's being slowed down because of the coronavirus. So it's having a rippling effect everywhere. And uh, you're just the county's just waiting for the governor to do whatever he does before y'all make any more moves, right? Yes, because we're trying to follow lockstep with that because the county does not have, never has had the ability to close things. Right. And we fielded many, 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 many questions on that. Everything from there, too many people in a golf cart to uh, what are you doing about the 5G towers that are causing the coronavirus? We have seen and heard just about everything. And so, but we respond politely and with respect and uh, try to provide the best information that we can. Well, I know you've been running phone banks for weeks now. What, what are the most common questions you're getting, Rusty? Uh, the most common questions are, is this an essential business? Why did you say that was an essential business? And again, we don't determine who's an essential business. The state does that. And having people call us and tell us, well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that, and you need to go out there and do something about it. So including getting people off of golf carts who are riding too close. So we answer each one respectfully and with patience. 
And then we've received a lot of good questions. Is this open? Is this open? Are y'all still processing uh, real estate transactions? Yes. Amazingly, that has not slowed down. Uh, uh, what about cars? More people right now are buying used cars. I mean, the treasurer's office is swamped, so I don't know whether it's a combination of income tax refunds and stimulus checks, but that's been going gangbusters. So we're doing that, and then treasurer's department's doing a great job. So, I mean, things... We still have people working from home, but they're working very hard from home. Right. What you mentioned? That, how, what about the 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 end of this fiscal year budget we're coming up on? How hard has it been hit by this? What what hits has the county taken from this virus? We, we do not know. We do not know the final hit, but we know it's going to be dramatic, and we're already preparing for that. We've already put in a hiring freeze. We did that about four weeks ago. We have uh, eliminated all travel, all training, all of that, and we're tightening our belts. And probably what we will do, the county cannot have a continuing resolution on a budget, but hold the budget we had last year, except for some projects that were completed. They don't need to go back in. But then wait, and the possibility, according to council, is possibly go back in and look and see how bad it is or did we get out kind of good and maybe do a supplemental budget later in the year. So, yes, it's had a tremendous effect, and we have been working on the budget and we have been looking at every penny we can save, but we do that every year. Right. And uh, so, so that's going on. So the finance department is coming along. So all of that, all of that is happening. Will there be a draft for the next fiscal year budget sometime in May for people to look at, or uh, by county ordinance, we have to have first reading on the budget by May fifteenth. That's right. our that's county ordinance, and we will meet, and we will meet that requirement. Okay. But we're trying as, as much as possible not to have a a meeting. And I still don't, I know that those electronic meetings are legal and we may have to have one, but I just don't like them. Right. And I don't care how wonderful they are and everything, but there was some editorial in the Post and Courier later this week, and it basically said the same thing. So I don't care what you do. I don't care how you do it. Whatever you do, it's still not the same thing. But we may, we may have to have one or maybe two more, but I know the council doesn't like it, and I certainly don't like it because... I mean, you're doing it, and you you know you can take people's questions, but <clears throat> you know it's, it's it's just not the same. It's just not the same. Yeah, nothing's the same. That's for sure. Well, I'm glad we caught up on it. I appreciate it, and we'll uh, catch up again here fairly soon. It has become a little bit of a cliche, but it is a time to be grateful for those folks who are out working on the front lines. Um, anytime you start a list, you start mentioning people, people, in, but the people in the healthcare industry, doctors and the nurses, and the the people, the janitors and the people who help the assistants, nursing assistants and nursing aides and all those folks, uh, the folks that are working in emergency services uh, who have to get out and, and answer these calls, the people who are answering the telemedicine calls and trying to triage people to see if they need to be tested, the people doing the test, we do still need way more tests, but there are people out there doing it right now and putting themselves at risk. Uh, our Everything from our garbage collectors to the people who are delivering food to the people who are in the essential stores that really are essential open our grocery stores and stuff, we do thank them and uh, hope that we can have a parade for these folks when this thing is all over because they sure deserve it. And next week on the Anderson Observer podcast, uh, news from people you trust, I will be talking to Anderson Mayor Terrence Roberts. I'll be talking to Dr. Kim Sanders, the director of PAWS. Uh, I'll be talking to Anderson County Superintendent of District 5, Tom Wilson. 
and the, the pastor of First Baptist Church of Anderson, Josh Hunt, and we'll be talking about a number of things about how life is different during these pandemic times and also other things about what's going on in Anderson. And until then, I hope that uh, in the middle of all these days that we'll all get out and do something to make Anderson. Broken homes, broken hearted people dying every day. How'd this happen? What went wrong? Don't blame God, I swear to God, I heard him say, not in my name, not on my ground. I want nothing but the ending of the war. No more killing, or it's over. And the mystery won't matter anymore Broken dreamers Broken rules Broken hearted people just like me and you We are children Of the stars Don't blame God, I swear to God He's crying too not in my name, not on my ground I want nothing but the ending of the war No more killing, or it's over And the mystery won't matter